0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 213 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands on Gloves, the all in one revolutionary. Bathing, grooming, gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today I get to share a bit of the vision I had for a wonderful time at the movement, our event we had just last June, a couple months ago, interviewing Helena Harris, a hero of mine in Happy Horsekeeping. <music> This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to The Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship air- Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today, the
2: other horse girl here. How are you? Greetings! I am so excited that you decided to take this little, this little tiny excerpt from mm. the movement and yeah. bring it over here to Horsemanship, Horsemanship Radio podcast. Does this this... Piece that we're going, you're going to be listening to today, is available. The video is available if you go to to montyroberts.com and click on the movement at the top of the page. Right. That's right. Well, the movement, yes,
1: um, we'll have a drop down, and it'll say the movement t- 2022, and people can look. Uh, on that site to describe, it's what describes the movement. But if you click on past events right below that, it'll have the Vimeo's or the saved entire event in um, segments, the movement 2020, then we have 218, 219, 2021. And we have a trailer so far for the movement 2022, but it is imminent that the whole thing will be up there within a few days.
2: So after so, you after you listen to today's show you go oh my gosh that was so cool. The whole thing will be available shortly um yep. with audio and video. So there you go. Go over to yep. moneyrubbers.com and make sure you put that in your favorites folder so you can go back to it quickly and easily and listen to the whole thing. And uh, I got to be at the movement this time and it was yes. a lot of fun and so informative and so it was so relaxed and casual. It didn't feel conferency, which was nice. <laughs> oh, Good. We're,
1: we weren't going for the conferency thing, so I'm glad.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you got that. We we
1: really do like that chill effect. Uh, I think people, you know, are so busy and so rat racy. Anyway, the last thing you want to do is pull people away from their horses, where it is the one place that they are chill usually, and then send them off to some sort of regimented too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) work-like environment. So as much as people want to learn things, I think the setting up the environment to be really relaxed, uh, community, you know, a lot of people on the same page with happy horses, um, all of that environment is what we're we're seeking to achieve each year. And we do it a little different every year. So we cross our fingers and hope (laughs) that we get it right so that people are relaxed when they get there off the road, not worrying about uh, biosecurity and COVID (laughs) or anything else because we're spread out. The farm's pretty big and the horses are kept in large areas and yeah, we we really liked this year. And and having the concert this year was a nice little addition too. Having Templeton Thompson and her husband Sam
2: playing for us and that wine and cheese in the park, did you like that? That was awfully nice. Yes. Yeah. And and the park by the way, there's a little piece of the the farm kind of towards the center near the offices that has these beautiful old trees. And lovely lawn, which is a big deal in Sullivan, California, because it's kind of yeah. deserty there. It's lovely, lush grass and big trees to sit underneath. And it was quite lovely. I understand now why you call it the park. The park. Yeah. And uh, we got to yeah. sit there. And, and that was kind of fun, too, because all during the day, sporadically, people would just walk past each other. Because that's also where you had the water station so everybody could stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. People would pass by in these, these great... Um, spontaneous conversations would happen between people with such diverse equestrian backgrounds. And that was kind of fun because it was, again, it was very relaxed and comfortable and didn't feel at all regimented or forced or scholastic, for that matter.
1: (laughs) Ah, that's a good word. (laughs) That's a good word. Yeah, so that's what we're going for. We're we're going for the chemistry,
2: not so much the head
1: knowledge, but also the heart knowledge. And we're going to geek out a little bit on on this episode. What we pulled out of there was what we really believe is maybe a roadmap for the journey forward in keeping horses in a more natural way. And we call it Movement Smart Stable. And you'll hear a lot about it in this hopefully we explained it well but I interview Helena Harris who's part of the horse radio network and for a long time I think she said 13 years um, something like that but you'll hear it you'll hear the depth of her knowledge and experience what I really wanted to do was get her affirmation Jen <laughs> I really wanted to see you know I wanted to get notes from her and I wanted to get affirmation that we were on the right track and one point you'll have to listen for it. She gets choked up a little bit. I ah! brought a little tear to her eyes, and I'm so happy about that. It was a good deer, and um, yeah, so it told me a little bit that we were kind of going in a good direction. In a good direction. So I'm really big, excited for people. Big to hear. things
2: happening all over the place at uh, the California Horse Center Thunder. at Flagstaff yeah. Farms. So, uh, let's without further ado. We're going to stop. take a quick break here and hear from our title sponsor. The show couldn't happen without him, by the way. Hands on gloves. And then we'll get into the conversation with Helena and Debbie from The Movement.
0: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary, new, all-in-one, shedding, bathing, grooming tool. Hands on gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation while helping to distribute natural oils for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-On is changing the way we bathe, de-shed, and groom our animals forever. Hands-On gloves. They are fantastic.
1: Helena Harris brings over 25 years of horse experience and business expertise to the Stall and Stable podcast and her Stall and Stable consulting services. Keeping horses happy and healthy is paramount to every horse owner and rider. Since our horses are often a reflection of the environment that we create, the Stall and Stable shares ideas and strategies for creating the best home we can for them. From backyard barn building to managing large-scale professional stables, stall & Stable covers it. Helena volunteers her time to land and agricultural conservation efforts and currently sits on the board of directors for Operation Horses Heal, a nonprofit
2: organization that supports U.S. veterans through equine experiences. Oh, she's a great gal. I've known her for years, and she's a great gal, too. So sit back and enjoy this conversation from the Movement 2022. At Flag Is Up Farms.
1: Okay, Helena Harris from Rhode Island. Please welcome. She is the podcast host of Stall and Stable. But you have a long history of podcasting and designing, and you want to tell the people a little bit about it. Yes, background. Yes, yes, yes. So I've been with the Horse Radio Network
3: for the better part of thirteen years. and thank you, Jennifer and Glenn Hebert. And I recently spun off Stall and Stable, which um, is about horse keeping. It's ideas for happy horse keeping. And so what I've learned in my, my time working with horses is that, um, and children is that they are a reflection of the environment we create for them. In fact, that'll probably be um, somewhere on my headstone. I truly believe that the, right, that, that, um, the environment is as, much, is as important in their development as the hands-on training. So I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about ways in which we can remove those sharp corners right. and harsh fences and to create an environment that um, creates comfort, relaxation, and a student... Right? Because horses are students, so they can't be good students unless they're in a place where they're comfortable.
1: Mm.
3: Right? And when they're comfortable, they can start to, to really let us help them. That's true. And that, like I said, that can be corners in a, in a pen. That could be the type of fencing. That can be the dividers in between their stalls. Can they see their friends? So all these little details go into making horses comfortable. And when they're comfortable, then they become better partners to us. And so every episode of Stalin's Stable is about exploring different ways that we can do that. Sometimes that means moving a hay net from the left to the right. And sometimes that means going for a long in some some new gadget, some new innovative gadget that is going to
1: make their lives easier. So that's kind of where, that's where we are. Um, Yeah, that's great. And that's why Helena is here too, because she's been on a journey, I believe, listening to her podcast over the last six months or so, maybe longer now, um, to find that ideal environment for movement in a horse. How important is movement in a horse's life? It's everything. It's, it's um,
3: everything, and especially with thoroughbreds, who I say moving is their drug of choice, yeah. right? For, and that might be true yeah. for any flight animal. Moving is their drug of choice. Um, and it also just keeps them healthy because their bodies are designed to move all the time, whether that's running or grazing, loafing. So movement is, it's important for their mental health, but it's also important for their physical health.
1: Yeah. And tell us about this journey. What started you, what started, can you all hear me too? Okay. What started you on that journey to make that exploration? I know you love your horses, so it makes good sense. But. Yes. Um,
3: you know, I've got one of those brains who's always, that's always trying to fix something. How can we build a better mousetrap? Um, without becoming Rube Goldberg, who has made those... <laughs> if you know who Rube Goldberg is, he, he's made these really, very complicated contraptions. If you ever watch Tom and Jerry, there are these complicated contraptions that serve, uh, create a very simple solution. So how can we um, keep horses... I've worked in big barns, and I've worked in little barns, and I've kept horses at home. So um, how do we make the process efficient? How do we keep our horses happy without making it too expensive? Um, We also know that time is one of our most precious commodities. So how do we not spend every waking minute keeping our horses happy? So how do we build a better mousetrap? How do we build a better barn, a better farm that is efficient, affordable, and comfortable for our horses? that answer your question? It does. Because I can go off.
1: It does. I know. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of journeys in there too. I know you've discovered a lot of different journeys Yeah, from the farrier and, and, you know, choosing our farrier all the way to our feed, all the way to how we feed and all the way to the environment that you're in. Some of us may live in in an arid climate. Somebody came from Arizona, I think. Did somebody come from Arizona and, or was it Nevada? Arizona. Arizona. Nevada. Nevada. Okay. That's a completely different climate than Rhode Island. Who else has a complete... Florida is another... Yeah. So we all have different environments. We all have different sizes of facilities. Yeah. Whether it be the buildings or whether it be the land. Yes. and Yeah.
3: But the foundation principles are the same. Now, the U.S. is hard to... To preach to because right we are so very different. Yeah. Um, and then what you want to do with your horses is different. Are they competitive? Are they pets? Um, are they somewhere in between? So the um, but the foundation principles all start with understanding your horse from its very basic needs. Like what does it need? Why does it do the things it, it does uh, individually? Right as, as individual horses, but then socially. Is, so horses are social animals. People are social animals. I don't know about you guys, but spending too much time alone is not good for me. Spending too much time standing still is not good for me. So we need to engage with our friends. We need to engage. Some people we don't like. Right? And some people are like, oh, I like you. Like you. Right? Some are like that with everybody. That's like me. You know, <laughs> So um, the foundation principles are understanding what our horses need to be comfortable. And we can, there's there's a baseline for flight animals. What do flight animals need? What do thoroughbreds need? What do Arabians need? What does my specific horse need? And that requires observation, a little bit of trial and error. But when we build homes for them, or we retrofit our homes for them, we're going to start with the foundation. What do flight animals need to be comfortable? And that's
1: yes, where we start. And they're all flight animals, aren't they? Horses are flight animals, and horses are horses. So before somebody gets really discipline-specific or breed-specific, we want to make some assumptions that you all should know about horses. So their digestive system is hugely important. If Dad were here, I'd, I'd ask him this question. I know what he's going to answer. What is the Achilles heel of horses? What's the one thing that we worry the most about every night if you've got a horse that looks a little off? Colic. colic. You have the same answer as dad. That's really good. <laughs> now, we all know that colic. So digestive system issues are critical to the horse's health, right? So if, if you're not even a horse person here, you kind of already know that. That's one of those things that you're the most oh, worried about, and you hope you have somebody in charge for your horses, too. So that's going to be one of the most important things we start with, I think. What do you think?
3: I think so. Um, mental health is, is probably right up there as well, but I, I don't know. If you guys get stressed, I get stressed, I get a stomach ache. right? We Our stress manifests in many different physical ways. Mm. Um, when you take... Um, a wild animal, a feral animal, a horse, (laughs) not a human, and you put it in a human environment, we have to make modifications to that environment. We have to make adjustments to the way these horses live Um, and understand that our environment, we we need them to be close by, right? We can't go down the back 40 and go grab our horses every time we want to play with them. So you put them in a human environment. We have to modify that environment so that... uh, Mm -hmm. It's closer, they can go through every day closer to what's natural for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So their stomachs are one because they eat, they're eating machines, right? And that acid
1: goes all day long, right? All day long. Big difference between carnivores, that's us, whether you're a vegetarian or not, sorry, you're designed as a carnivore, which means your food juices, the digestive system turns off and turns back on. What about horses? On all the time
3: because they're designed to have food in their system all the time. But we feed them like humans, right? We get up in the morning, we give them breakfast. Lots of breakfast. We give them Fruit Loops. <laughs> and then we wait till lunch. And then we give them a ham sandwich, yeah, right? And then we do the same thing with dinner. That's not how their bodies are designed to work. So um, when we're designing homes for them or we're retrofitting our homes for them, how do we feed them so that they can chew all day long? Because the more they chew, the more saliva they generate, and that saliva buffers their stomach, right, and helps prevent all that acid from eating through the lining of their stomach, the um, pylorus, their, their pine gut, uh, and so, even what we put in their bodies, right? Yeah. Historically, we do a lot of sugar. Sugar is delicious. Everybody wants to eat it. And if you ever had a hard keeper, you're like here, eat this. Eat it's sure. good. Have more <laughs> Froot Loops. Um, so I like it. Just I can go off into
1: the, yeah. the scenic route of that. The answer but, to that question. But. It, it is the broader question: Is how do we feed our horses? And and almost everybody will understand if you have horses or you've seen beautiful horses in a pasture. The pasture living. Is pretty to our eyes, but not the perfect environment for eating. Why is that? Yeah, that too.
3: Yeah. I got one of those yeah. at home. Um, and after the pandemic, I'm kind of one of those. Oh yeah, getting no. by myself. Yeah, it's. Uh, I and mean, again, if you look at the breed too, certain breeds are designed. Like think ponies; they're they're hardier. They're designed to survive on scrubland. Um, lush green pastures aren't that's not really where you're going to find wild horses Right. Um, so all, and it, but it's delicious because it's full of sugar and all kinds of things and, that horses need um, but sometimes we don't know that that lush pasture isn't good for our horses until they found it or until something goes wrong so um, there is a little bit of trial and error I have to say Um s- but in a, designing an ideal environment, you want to have a little bit of everything for a horse. A dry lot for the easy keeper who gets fat on air. A, um, uh, an area that's not so great grazing, but allows the horse to spend the day with their head down chewing, even if it's on junk grass that's this big. The fact that they're down and they're nibbling and their minds are focused on what's going in their mouths. That is what's natural to a horse. That's when they're going to be the most relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps a grazing paddock. So this is something I have at my farm. I've got a dry lot, I've got a crappy lot, and then I've got the grazing lot. And sometimes there's some horses who can go, can't go, can ever go in the grazing paddock and some who really need to have that grass, have the high moisture level. Uh, but having something for... I don't want to say every type of horse, but the three basics are yeah. there. Yeah. No green grass, something to graze, and then the heavy-duty Very good. lush stuff. Yeah. Tell me about the five pillars. Five pillars. Okay. Of, of Yeah, it's the five freedoms. Uh, has anybody heard of the five freedoms? Anybody may have, yeah, that term? Yep. Okay, I'm going to totally mess those up.
1: No, there's no order here. We don't care.
3: But, um, so it's freedom from... Hunger and thirst. It's freedom from pain. Freedom from discomfort and stress, which is usually mental stress. Am I on three, four? Um, Freedom, it's the freedom to express their natural behavior. So that means to socialize. That means when one mare pins an ear at another, you don't hit her in the head for it. You don't correct that behavior. That's natural horse behavior. So freedom from, uh, freedom to express natural yep. horse behavior. Yep. And then um, the freedom to, to be a horse in a horse environment. Don't tie a horse to a standing stall for 12 hours a day. And if I had my way, I wouldn't lock a horse in a stall for any period of time, maybe 15 minutes <laughs> to eat or right Um, so that so the freedom to just be horses even within a human environment uh, those are essential it's our responsibility Mm -hmm. it's our responsibility to provide that for them and it doesn't mean you need a multi-million dollar farm or barn to do it, it just means you have to think creatively Mm -hmm. coming down the driveway this morning I got all choked up because I was reading the signs (gasps) And the last sign said, Think outside the box stall. We want to control so much of our horses' behavior. They're big and they're amazing, and we want that energy. And we box them in, we put them in cages. This is, a whole, this is an animal whose 99% of its body is made of muscle, it's designed to move. But we put them in a box. Sometimes for 22 hours a day. And then we take them out and we go, move, move, move exactly the way I want you to move and don't complain about it. That's not the freedom to be a horse.
1: What about performance horses? Does it work? Mm, no. It's, uh, I say this all the time,
3: go lock yourself in the bathroom for 18 hours. Bring yourself a bottle of water, box of Cheez-Its, <laughs> and an apple. No other entertainment. No phone, no TV, no book, maybe a window. And just observe what you feel. Just observe what you feel. You're comfortable. I mean, you're safe. It might be warm. Now do that for two days in a row. And then think about If that was your life every single day, right? And we don't want to anthropomorphize. We're not horses. But there's a balance between empathizing with our horses and anthropomorphizing. So we want to understand, we want to empathize with what it means to be a flight animal locked in a box all day long.
1: It's tough. And so that's to there will be people in this room. I don't know all your disciplines or how you enjoy your horses, but I'm going to assume there might be a barrel racer in here. There might be a rainer in here, and there, you know, that my parents' background is rodeo and and western performance, uh, western cow working cow horse performance. Um, we have thoroughbreds. We have. Can they be outside too? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, my God, my therapists would kill me if I locked them inside, (laughs) literally. Um, The the, the dilemma of keeping performance horses safe, because they, they have to perform. And we know horses, I always say this, their number one job in my house is to kill themselves. And my job is to stop that from happening. So how do we keep them safe? How do we stop them from kicking the dew out of each other or rubbing up against a board and gashing themselves? So there's a the balance. We have to be realistic, right? We, we, can't, um, we can't keep them in uh, 24-7, but w- there has to be oversight, and we have to look at their environment to say, is it safe for them, um, and is it healthy mentally and physically? So yes, thoroughbreds can be turned out. Uh, uh, show jumping horses, your big warm bloods can be turned out. Uh, everybody can be turned out. It doesn't mean throw them in a pasture and leave them there to, the, to their own devices, Right, right. There still has to be oversight. But this is where there's a feedback loop between you observing your horse in their environment and then shaping that environment for what kind of horse you have to work with and what
1: their job is. So it's a bit of
3: a moving target. It is. But it's
1: doable. Absolutely doable. So let's just draw a line in the sand. You know, 30 years ago, Dad said to the world, because the queen made him really, kind of pushed him forward and said, you will... And, and when the queen says you will, you kind of do, right? And uh, he said, draw a line in the sand at violence. What does that look like? Well, even yelling and berating a horse, whatever that looks like, even if you're not whipping on them, ah, they know it. We all have seen the studies now in the last 30 years, right? So consternation in their life—they're like kids. They don't want consternation in their life. They really do. I mean, they will they have a hierarchy out there. Everybody knows about it, and they'll kick on each other and everything, and tell you where we are in that hierarchy, and that's safety for them. That's okay. Uh, but I think what we're doing here is in this conversation is I—we're making some people feel guilty. Maybe you know that we've had them installed, haven't we? All felt guilty about that sometimes. But we're also here's our plan is to give you a draw on the line in the sand like Dad did and said, if you never can be violent toward a horse, then you change the way you look at your training of a horse. It's not like, well, until the horse gets there, and then that's when I bring out the whip because it won't go on the trailer. If you're really (laughs) authentic about not ever wanting to hit a horse or cause that horse to know that you're really angry at him, <laughs> then you have, to, you have to be authentic inside yourself and they'll know it every time. Same thing, I think, where we're going and we're getting there is instabling. Yes. If we really want to be as, as authentic as we can be for the environment of our horse, we have to start looking for those answers, am I right? Different ways, right.
3: Yeah. Once, Different when ways. someone says, you can't go here, this is the line in the sand, right? Just like a horse, right? Yep. You, you're like, all right, well, where do I go? Yeah. Where do I, where do I look to find the answer? Um, and so now we're starting to see yeah. these are the different things that we can do yeah. in stable design. That's it. Don't feel guilty about putting your horses in stalls because, number one, there's stuff we didn't know about horse keeping 10 years ago, five right. years ago, right? right? Technology has given us an insight to what our horses need today more than ever before. So, Right. I live in the Northeast, we get blizzards. You know what? I lock my horses in sometimes. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but it's cold and I'm cold and it's wet and I don't want you to be cold and wet. <laughs> so if you've learned something new and you feel a little uh, about it, forgive yourself Right. and move on, right? We're, we don't always know what's best. We're not gonna be perfect about any of this, so we just have to be willing to forgive ourselves and say, okay, open my mind, think outside the box stall, where can we go? This is not an option anymore, right? So where can we go?
1: Right? We've all been parents. We've all been, <laughs> God, I really regret that moment, but <laughs> So I'm going to list off this is the listy part some positive effects of movement in stabling. And we're going to reveal for you today a work in progress, a construction zone, be it though of a movement smart stabling. And we'll explain a little bit about that too. But I thought, well, let's just get out some geeky stuff and say that um, we talked about diseases of their system are most often in the digestive tract. So check that. So for optimal health, equine housing systems need to take into account movement, rest, social behavior, Feed intake and air quality. We didn't talk about air quality. You mentioned, I think, everything else. But that is another problem with stabling as well, especially where you have to keep them inside a little bit more than outside. We have stalls with bedding this deep and shavings and everything. But you go like, what about the hawks and the whole thing? We've got answers. Don't worry. I like the whatabouts, by the way. So don't be shy to say, you know, but I haven't solved this problem in your whole presentation yet please please ask because maybe just maybe we've figured something out because we are up at two in the morning googling things right (laughs) and finding out what is an answer for that because people are exploring this even though you haven't heard about it a lot there are pockets of people that are doing this so you can feel you know satisfied with that and they're believing in this and they're growing this too it's not that crazy okay so air quality is also you know, stifling the horses. And they're an athlete. And guess which way their noses are? They're right here all the time. So if we're not getting that ammonia out of that air in the stall, too, we're, we're compromising, right? Yep. yep. There are multiple studies. I have some <laughs> <laughs> Lovely Yvette did an amazing job for me, and uh, Nellie Kennedy has been amazing. Finding there are studies show that remember, anybody from HRN knows that studies <laughs> show, <laughs> show that right? <laughs> <laughs> studies show <laughs> there are studies showing now that over the past two decades, uh, group housing and movement stabling offer the most natural solution for domesticated horses to thrive in what we call an artificial environment, and that's okay, yeah? It's okay. Horses in the wild average 3.7 miles per day, and I think, yeah, it's way more than that, too. It depends on the lushness of their environment, but you're absolutely, can be 16, 18, yeah, uh exactly. Those mustangs that you're gonna meet over here are amazing. Um, And those in a box stall, eh, about .1, (laughs) <laughs> you know there's just not much movement in a box stall and in a paddock maybe maybe a mile right and with a with a um, a pasture you'll get a little bit more incrementally you'll get a little bit more movement but there's no motivation to move you know uh, one thing that is cool about a pasture is that they actually even stretch right so every time they reach Their neck down to take a bite of grass, they're actually doing their little, you know, yoga thing. And yeah, so they're getting stretches too, which you don't have to do so much if you're feeding in a manger from the corner of a stall up here, too. So, what we're going to do, we're going to show you that there are feeding units and things like that that you can do these days that automate the feeding and even rotate and make it more automated as if um, it's, it's a fake environment, artificial environment for sure, but it mimics the digestive system that they need, the feeding system that they need. So what we're going to do, it's 12 o'clock, and unless you had more to add to that. I always have more to add, okay. but I'm going to put a lid on it for today. No, she's going to keep talking. <laughs> but what we're going to do, some of you can go out that end. Now, for mobility reasons, if you don't want to take a jog around... Um, what we're gonna show you here, there's not much area, but you can head to the park. Di- uh, lunch will be served at 12.30, so we'll be wrapped up with our tour. We're gonna go this way, and then that away way and then meet you in the park. But um, we were gonna take you through a very revolutionary, progressive way of doing what we hope covers all these things we just talked about. So you can come off the wall here and head that way, Come out there and head back over this way or come down there and head and meet us right there. There are lots more of this conversation to come. We're going to take a brief break here to hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be back for more. Imagine if you could take Monty to the barn with you. Watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too. You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson, knowing Monty's there to encourage you, all with violence-free, tried-and-true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just bought her first horse. Recently,
4: I went to a tax shop to look for a smaller halter. I'm um, 61, just purchased my 14-hands POA the day after my birthday just a few weeks ago after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy, but as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16, and I got bucked off. And that was it, (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, Um, This is precious lady, 84 year old lady gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly. And the article I read in it was Horses are Biofeedback Beings. And it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it, because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find but truth, truthfully that's just a pain um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they they're in order um, they have extra notes and a quiz and I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university it really has changed my life and I will never be the same um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and thanks to the videos I've done join up with him and it really worked like a dream I had to do it in an arena, but it still worked. Thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals, um, the ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse, Kathy. <music>
1: Everybody here okay right now? It's a little windy, so I, you might lose my voice. Just tell me if you can't hear me, okay? We're supposed to be able to connect. Yeah. We don't bite either, yeah. No mare ears here. <laughs> uh, but I do, I do want to tell you that there's three new things that we've added to Flag is Up Farms. I mean, You've heard about the history and how long we've been here. Uh, so the, the changing of the guards... Would add that we have a mountain trail. You probably saw it on the on the schedule for today, and we're really excited about that. And Mark and Lee Bolander are here, so if you want to grab them and say hi too, but they'll be out obviously at the end of the day. That's going to be our spectacular finality to the day before the concert. And then um, we also are adding if you get a chance to toot- tootle around a little bit over a barn that's just. Some of you in the back might see it, but it's a 10-stall barn over to our right over here. And that is the California Horse Center Wellness Center. We've got an in-ground aqua tread. So for the top line and the exercising of the horses, that will be hugely important to what we're doing here at the facility. And then our last thing is what we're going to show you through here, too. And that's what I'm going to have Helena critique us a little bit. So... Uh, I'll just, uh, hopefully you can hear me as we walk. We are walking into an area that was 10 stalls on this side and there were 10 stalls on the other side. It's a 40 stall barn in quadrants. And what's going on is, you can see we're in the middle of painting, but most of these doors, all but two are coming off and each area will be a, a stable a grooming and saddling area. And in the middle, we have two areas that are doored. The doors will remain. And those will be um, for lockers, so for boarders to have their saddles. The reason I say all that is uh, because we want to show you where we house the horses and how close it is to be able to get to your tack and your grooming equipment and everything and how it's set up. So if you're – people might be saying to Helena, what do I do with my old barn? And this is 55 years old, so it's pretty old. Not as old as on the East Coast as some of those old barns. But how do I retrofit a barn that is built traditionally? And most of them are, right? Because we just started this whole thing, too. So let's take them through. So we call this the pass-through because now it goes to the other side. And you'll see a wall on your left and right. So this will be more for bringing your horse through so if you guys want to walk on the grass up here we'll get you collecting over here as i said it's a construction zone still all right Thanks everybody now Now, you see that beautiful black horse behind you over there? Who belongs to that horse? No, is she still coming in? Okay. <laughs> Nellie belongs to that horse. horse. There's the owner now. Who's that beautiful horse out there? How long has Lou been out living out in? Yeah, you. <laughs> All her life. As far as I know she's been in a stall with turnout during the day for three weeks of her life because we were moving and there were wait lists for every other option and it broke my heart and I saw the change in her behavior within 48 hours. Um, So that horse wants to be outside, needs to be
0: outside, couldn't care less about the weather. She's lived in snowy conditions, all of the things uh, and anytime you try to put her in she's like no thank you
1: yeah so that is the face of the future because she looks lovely a lot of people will say oh no the horse will be completely scrubby and you know right i don't want my horse to look like a pasture horse in 10 days right no 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 they look beautiful you bring them in and groom them all right, <laughs> let's wash their tail a little bit. In full transparency, because poor time management on my end, uh, she is not groomed. <laughs> I've been gone a lot, so she's been groomed two times, I think, in the last three weeks. She can look better, but it's as natural as it gets. As <laughs> an owner would say. There you are. So beautiful. She's beautiful, and she's kept beautifully. So let's explain what you're standing in the middle. You're now in the movement Smart Stable. So what is that? A fence is being built right here so that they, this is your pass through. So when you go to catch up your horse from this area, you go through here is a double door. So you've got security. That's how you can retrofit a barn that goes, you know, has an aisle in the middle. If it didn't have an aisle in the middle and you were just a, a shed row, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need that. You'd put one of these stalls might be a grooming or you might have your grooming or your or your wash rack someplace yep. else. Yep. All right. And then this fence, and then I'm going to have Helena critique us. Oh, and here comes Monk. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is my mom, Pat, Pat Roberts. You remember we said that dad was on the road 30 years? So who do you think was running the farm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. He gets excited. He gets excited. Anyway, so. I want you all to focus a little bit on where your horse would move, right? We're talking about movement. And where your horse would uh, exercise. So it's not just weaving and moving. It's also where is he going up and down and everything. And then I'll kind of explain. Yeah. All right. So this area is, I'll I'll have you you be able to walk inside there when you want to, too. Obviously, we haven't cleaned this. This will be four inches of wood chips at least, something like that. Could be bedding, could be matting, could be anything you want it to be. Doesn't matter to me. We're going to start with wood chips. The matting on the inside is soft stall. And it's, yeah, and it's really durable and wonderful. It's been around for umpteen decades. And and it's like a tempur for horses. It's lovely. But no food. No water in there. Why would that be? I want them out there, right? So this is going, that fence comes down where Lou is. The other fence comes down where the other transition horses you'll be learning about um, are. And then there will be some aversion, like that hedge stays, and there's a sand paddock that is a pathway around that. And then feeding machines will be there. And there, minerals, water, everything is out there. Now, you might ask, is it a track system? Kind of. <laughs> is it a paddock paradise? Kind of. Is it an stalla? Does anybody know stalla from Germany? Feeding machines? Yeah? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it to look like a feedlot. Uh, it's always been beautiful here, but remember we talk about pasture isn't always beautiful for the inside of a horse, yeah? So there is a, we dist up a track on the outside of the pasture, and we also dissed one right straight across the pasture, so there'll actually be two green grass areas, and then there'll be lots of enrichments along. Does anybody know what enrichment is, Helena? Yes, right. Different
3: materials in a horse's environment to encourage them to do things that are healthy for them or to enjoy some play, to interact with their body. It's just enriching body and mind. Great. great. The horse. Yes. Yeah. And that could be logs. You put some logs down. They have to step over something. That's great for exercising those quads and keeping their joints nice and lubed up. It could be, um, some gravel or pea stone to help the hoof. And the lower limbs interact with the environment, strengthen those tendons and ligaments. It could be a water feature. If You have horses like mine who like to swim and splash. Love it. So anything that, it could be anything. You can make it up. You can look online and see what other people use for enrichment. Or you can say, you know what, my horse really likes water. Maybe we'll do two water enrichments. Yeah. Or something, um, I like to hang things, Um to teach my horses to kind of um, acclimate to a fly whisk, basically. Mm. Um, so low-hanging branches, something that just
1: um, gives them something to interact with physically. Engaging right? their brain. Yeah. Engaging, engaging their brain. Their brain. And, and does engaging the brain bring on movement?
3: Yes. Um, <laughs> when you put, let's say, food in one section of their turnout and water in another enrichment in still another place a horse is always going to be seeking types of engagement they you know we think sometimes they're lazy um, or there's just equine inertia but they actually like to engage so they will move if you give them reason if you motivate them um, but this also requires you understanding a little bit
1: about what your horse is like yes and then creating an enrichment area that fits in with that and one of the things that dovetails with this is Mark Bolander's, this is Lee Bolander here, and Mark has been around.
3: He's just to gone to get himself a
1: jacket. He just went, because he's cold. Um, okay, he'll be back. So Mark Bolander has created our mountain trail, designed and, helped bu- and built it uh, out in the infield of the racetrack. You're gonna be seeing that. What we learned watching, how does he make a natural environment be interesting for a horse? So everything on the, on the, uh, mountain trail could be found if you went up to Sun Valley to the white clouds or, you know, to Montana. It can be found there because it's swinging bridges. It's a uh, trestle bridge. It's moving. It's water. It's walk through rocks. So there's a lot of things you can do on your system too, to create movement and interesting. Now, one of the things that I think discoveries that people share on Facebook are really cool. There's a lot of Facebook pages that will actually share different ideas for their systems, too. Um, just bringing in a, a, a whole load of, uh, let's say, rock dust or road base or whatever creates this hill, right? You'll find that the horses go peekaboo. They, <laughs> they start moving around it just because the other horse did, too. And they start doing this circle just because you put a, a mound in there, right? And um, they also like high and low. And so you could undulate your system too. You could plow a little trench. And that's one thing that Mark puts into his design. And it's pretty challenging for a horse because there's things on the side of them, right? Get a little claustrophobic. So you can just dig out a little bit. I say just, you know, get somebody to do it for you. But <laughs> and, um, but also building up, because horses do like to be high. So one of the things we're changing over here for you, Helena, is that our fence line is on the flats. But you see, because of flooding, we built the road up. But we're going to move that fence back about five feet, so it goes up the slope a little bit. So their system on the side, will they, they can go a little up and a little down, too. And then um, maybe you can talk about avoidance, too, and how horses like to avoid each other sometime. Um, there's always low man on the totem pole, right? And
3: sometimes that changes. So we want to give our horses the opportunity to move around one another. It's the same concept that we have a round pen and that we... Round off the corners of our, our paddocks. We don't like to have those square places where a horse can get trapped. Even if it's unintentionally, you might have a horse who's feeling alpha that day and is kind of standing across the width of the track. He or she might not intentionally be trying to block another horse out, but they kind of are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, and then you'll have a timid horse who's like, I'm not really going to test her today. I'm going to stand back here but my water's over there, you know, or the hay is over there, or that thing I want to play with is over there. So you want to make sure that you design um, uh, places where they can avoid the other horses or avoid that uh, stressful situation. They can pass comfortably. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to make a, a track that's 20 feet wide the whole way through, as long as you account, you know, maybe just make a little bump out, yeah. like a little turnaround or a little cul-de-sac where if a horse gets stuck, they have uh, an opportunity to get around, um, another horse. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: It does. It does make
3: sense. Right. And And it's, can I add one other thing? Um, you were talking about, you know, um, undulations and, and the different kinds of enrichments. Another thing to think about is putting things in this turnout that may help with your training and other things you want to do. So, uh, um, a wooden plank, a little boardwalk, um, when Jen and I used to hunt together, we used to have to go, the trail went over this little wooden bridge and it went over a marshy area. And I used the horses back, you know, what's under there. And we, so we called it the troll bridge. Yeah. So put a troll bridge in your turnout. Yeah. Something that can help acclimate them to these human things that we expose them to, uh, going up and down undulations, right? We know that hill work, uh, and different kinds of um, topography is important for developing a horse's athletic ability. So yeah, put a little dip in there, but think about not only what enriches them, but what might acclimate them to the type of training that you would like to introduce or that you work, you you do in your discipline. Um, so that's just another thing that you can put in there.
1: I love that. And it will make perfect sense when you see the Mark Bolander mountain trail too, that he's taken some of these concepts and done that too. And, um, so what we're looking at here, we call it movement smart stable because everything's smart these days, right? You got smartphones, you got smart speakers, you got right. It means that you these machines actually are Bluetoothed or they're feeding us information. So we in July are having delivered here uh, three machines to start with that will be feeding machines. What the horses typically do is wear a band, a neck band or an ankle band. And there's a chip in there and each horse is a programmed amount of food that he eats, eats each day at his choice. So when he goes over there, if he's, he has, it's been a while, it'll open up and we've trained them to go in, eat and go out. And the other horses, if they walk up there, they're like, uh, I guess not now. Okay. So they, they will get their amount of food on a randomized feeding system too sounds super fancy, but it's just super smart. Right. And that, so that's what this system will be. We're really excited about being the first ones real. Well, certainly in California, there's only three in the United States. There's like 10,000 in Germany. (laughs) And, uh, and one thing that was interesting when the guy came, he said, um, there was three in the United States and then, and he said, and one in Japan, I told Helena this yesterday and I went, One in Japan. How's that? Well, it was a German lady who moved to Japan. (laughs) She wanted her system to go with her. She was so convinced it was that good. So you may not have heard of it yet. You'll hear about it, though. People are already trying to attempt to do this. Well, they're they 20 years ahead of us. So I thought, why fight with reinventing a wheel? They've already invented it. So when you come back, and you're all invited back, You'll see a feeding machine out there and everything. And it looks very natural and, you know, not like a feedlot too. And the horses get trained onto it right away. And it's a neat and tidy way to be able to look at your pasture and know that your horses are being fed. And you can change it up as they go. So here's what we're going to do now. There's probably lots of questions and everything else, but that'll leave you hungry for more and food. Um, out, we're going to walk through here and go to the park area where I was going to take you to the second pasture, but I don't want to make it longer than your stomachs can last. So, um, later on, if you get a chance during lunch, if you just walk over to that front pasture, it's right in front of the gravestones. You'll see some, some gravestones in front of, to the left side of our office right there. And you'll see a more typical track system pasture that we're literally just finishing up now. Doesn't have the enrichments in it or anything yet. Um, this is where I'm going to, I'm picking Helena's brain for all that she knows about this kind of pasture and that kind of pasture, because we want to innovate each area where we keep our horses. We've got uh, a transition horse group over here. Those are up for adoption and those are peacefully living together. We've got mares and we've got geldings in another pasture those will be converted as well. So we get these thoroughbreds off the track. They've got something to do when they get into that pasture besides go laminitic on, <laughs> on grass. Um, so anyway, you'll see some of our vision there. And I'd love for you guys to come up to us and ask questions during lunch. I'll try not to talk with my mouthful, but I'm happy, <laughs> happy to answer any questions that I might know. If not, please ask Helena. And as she is able, she will... Um, But tell me what she says. Okay. (laughs) I want to know. There's a lot I don't know too. uh,
3: You know, keeping an open mind and being willing to, uh, think about new things. It's, it's it's your own ingenuity. So you can ask me. And if I have an answer, I'll tell you. And if I don't, I'll say, I haven't gotten there yet. And maybe we can get there together. So everything is welcome.
1: Yes, yes, yes. All right. This away. I'll open the gate
3: this world a better place The in the language
1: of Up next we have our trainer's tip from Shorty Graham, who's a wonderful trainer who likes us to take our time when we work with our horses. Welcome back, Shorty Graham. Thanks again. all the way from the Arizona Equestrian Connection in Camp Verde, Arizona. How are you today, Shorty? Fantastic. Ah, it's good to hear your voice. I understand you have a trainer's tip for us, or maybe two, uh, for well, yeah. the listeners of Horsemanship Radio. Please let us know. Well, I think
5: I think one of the important things that, as humans, we need to recognize is that horses, animals, have no concept of time. It means mm. nothing to them. And I think with humans, we tend to go out um, a lot of times, particularly people that are on time constraints of like needing to get to a show, needing to get to a roping. um, And they really don't have the horse on a solid foundation to begin with about loading in the trailer or doing these events or they haven't been that pleasant. And so they go out and then they turn into a grizzly bear trying to get the trailer to the horse to trailer load or once they get to the show they're their their whole inside is totally stressed
0: mm-hmm. and they're
5: they're psychologically at a high peak which the horse feeds on. Yeah. And so for me one of the things I've learned is if you have something you want to work with your horse or you want the horse to accomplish mm-hmm. Do it when you have all the time in the world or just go out and spend some time with your horse if you don't have a lot of time and groom it or or do something you know the horse already knows to do. But recognize that when you go out there, you could be there all day if that's what it takes, but do it in a quiet and a calm manner and help the horse. Let the horse look for the answer. Ask the question and give him time enough or her time Mm -hmm. enough to find the answer and give him or her, the aides that will help him find that answer. And once he gets that answer, getting that reward of releasing the pressure and saying, you know, good. And then if it's been a long haul, I quit. We Mm -hmm. we don't need to go back and do it again. We'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things is just hammering on him to do it over and over and over again. If you can just get that little bitty try, Take that and call that Dixie and then wait for the next day. And you know what? It'll come quicker and it'll be sweeter and nicer. And you, you'll you be amazed at how quick things come together once that little tiny window opens.
1: Ah, oh, that's beautiful. That is a great... And we say they have latent learning. It seems like if you can end on that pressure off high note, the next day they come out further ahead for exactly. some reason.
5: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so many people don't get the pressure They start at ten. Well, where are you gonna go when they (laughs) give you something? So, you know, and then they also if they if they go to eight and the horse gives them something, then they go right back to eight. And, and you know, you have to keep starting at, as, as Monty says, incremental learning. Mm, so, you know, you've got to start at that low point. Give them the opportunity. If that doesn't work, a little more pressure, a little more pressure. But if you're already up there at 10, you don't have any place to go.
1: Very good. Those are great trainer's tips, Shorty Graham. I didn't doubt you for a minute. Those are awesome. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thanks. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? (laughs)
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two legged and four legged. August 18 through 20, we have the introductory course, module two, which is join up. Then August 22 through 24, with the introductory course, module three, that's long lining. And then August 26 through 28, we have a horse sense and healing coming up. That's for our veterans and first responders with post traumatic stress. And then August 29 through 31, we have our introductory course, module four, and that is the preparation
2: for the intro exams. Dun dun dun. Quick question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can the modules be done out of order? They can. That was a great question. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because maybe somebody has August 22 to 24 available, they can come take the long lining course. But they don't have August eighteenth through twenty available to take the join up course. So they can take, oh, I have a time off in August. I can do it in, I can do module three. And then four and a half months from now, they have some time in they can jump oh, in like... and grab a different module. Yeah, exactly. They're no, the only one that would be reduced. Ridiculous
1: is the preparation for the intro exams if you try to take that first.
2: <laughs> the, the, that would be counterproductive,
1: don't you think? <laughs> Pretty much. There you Pretty are. much. But what we did was we actually used to have a join-up class and a long-lining class, which we still sort of do. But what we did was rejigger the whole curriculum so that you can take it in modules that build up to the full introductory course. You can also take it. It's uh, 10 days or Two weeks, the mm-hmm. the introductory course, so you end up taking, you know, you are skipping a weekend in mm-hmm. between. There, you take five days and then five days. If you've got a lot of time, you know, some people coming all the way from Europe love to take well, the whole. That thing. makes sense.
2: Yes, if you are mm-hmm. gonna if you are gonna travel over to do the whole thing all at one time, I mm-hmm. love how you did that though because it it makes it available to folks who have a lot of other commitments in life. Yeah you know mm-hmm. that you can only get a weekend off and a here weekend off here and there. So, if you want yeah. to learn more about what's going on at Flag is Up Farms, the California Horse Center, you mm-hmm. can go to com. You can call them on the phone. Yep. yep. 805-688-6288. That's right. And for details about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you can find the links, uh, pictures, and more information about today's guests and topics. You can also go to MontyRoberts.com. The podcast is also right there on the homepage, so it's easy to find. And we love your feedback. Social media is the way to go Go with the feedback. Uh, Monty Roberts is on Twitter and Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. And if you're old school, he's on Facebook, Monty (laughs) Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, the
1: one with the blue check. You're right. And many thanks to our sponsors too. That's Hands On Gloves and Monty Roberts University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And we'd love your feedback about whether you like having these interviews on here or perhaps there's even some reading of some books. We've got some of that. We've got filed in the archives, too. And there could be some of that, Jen. We could put up here. I know. I hate to be the you know the only host here and having just a co-host. We could get some other people up here who have, re- you know, they took a long time to read into uh, recordings. And uh, we, we might start a little bit of that, too. So I'd love your feedback. So for... Jen's uh call to action there to Facebook, Twitter, or write me at Debbie at Monty Roberts.com and let me know some of that feedback. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.